there's certainly a lot to be afraid of. There's definitely a lot that will change at the point that we might not want to change. As I walked through this space over the last couple weeks, some of you expressed this fear. Well, this space feels like a church. Will we start being judgmental like some churches? No. This space feels like it's going to be expensive. Will we stop going into the community? No. There's a lot of fear that comes with change. And what do we do with that fear? See, I don't know how uh, this year will continue. I don't know how this church will continue. I don't know what's coming next. But I do know what Paul knows. Christ and him crucified. And, And I know that because of that, you and I can stand here or sit here or walk here or whatever you're doing today or tomorrow with a sense of peace. And all of our fears, we get to take before him and say, I need you to be the one emptied of yourself. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. Thank you for your abundant grace this morning. It is so good to see so many of your faces and eyes. For those of you that I can't see faces, I'm glad you guys are here today. I've seen several of you grab a cup of coffee and go to drink it with your mask on and then get confused. Don't worry, I've done the same thing and that's okay. We still love you, all right? And now if you are successful in drinking it through your mask, please teach me, that'd be awesome. I am so glad to be in person again. I don't know about you guys, um, What was it like being online for church for four months? I I heard some of you were like, oh, this was great. We went out on the boat every week, and it was wonderful. And others were like, this is great. I can mute Pastor Adam. And, and, And so I know for some, it was really good. But for me, I really missed being in person. And I think God's timing is so wonderful in when we got to come back together. The reason I think his timing is so wonderful is because, um, By the way, there's balcony. This is definitely going to throw me off and confuse me from time to time. Hi, people up there. I'm glad you're there. Uh, The reason I think his timing is so wonderful in us getting back together is this week actually is kind of a special week for me. And it will remain a special week long term, especially now with Ezra's baptism. But even before that, uh, this week is actually the week of my anniversary, not my marriage anniversary. Uh, Don't worry, Laura, I know when that is. Uh, no, this is the, the week of my anniversary of being here at The Point, called to serve you guys. And so it's just three years ago where I was standing on a very different stage in front of several of the same faces, though without masks. And, and I was standing on a very different stage with the same purpose. You guys said, please come and be our pastor. And I had the joy and the terror to stand before you for the first time, not knowing most of your names or your faces, and to share God's word. 
and I stand before you today knowing a few more names and a few more faces, and there's still a few I don't yet know, and that same joy and that same terror still exists within me. And I really like that we get to gather together again for the first time today. But there's that excitement of the things to come and the fear of the things unknown. Have you felt that at any time in your life? Looking forward to something that's, that's just ahead of you. And you can almost see it. You can almost touch it. You know it's right there. And yet, for now, the steps between here and there are kind of scary. That's the way I feel just about every Sunday when I come up here or when I sit on the couch at Emily's apartment and I get to share God's word with you. And today as we're in this new space, as we're looking forward to all that is going to come in this neighborhood and for this congregation and for you and me and our lives personally, there's a lot of joy and a lot of fear. See, I don't know what your 2020 has been like, but mine has not been anything like I planned. My 2020 has not matched the picture I had when we were doing our planning in in 2019. I was like, 2020, perfect vision, right? And I had these grand ideas of all the things that would happen in 2020. So far, only Ezra was born. Nothing else was part of that plan, including the space. I didn't think we were going to move. We had given up looking and stopped looking. I certainly didn't think we would move here. Uh, Two years ago when Maker City, the church that's also here on Sunday afternoons, when they moved in two years ago, Laura and Emily and I and Tyler and Fletcher, we came down to their Christmas Eve Eve service. Like this is an opportunity to worship and have zero responsibilities. It's really fun to do that, trust me. And, And so we came down and we sat right there next to that pillar. In fact, Fletcher was like on one side because the pew wrapped around the pillar and Laura was on the other side. So it was kind of awkward, this pole between the two of them. And we sat there for the service and afterwards we stood around and said, man, wouldn't it be cool if the point someday had a space like this? And we had no idea that we'd move here. But for those of you who've given hundreds of hours in the last couple of weeks to help us clean and spread some mulch and figure out what we're doing, you know that moving here comes with a lot of excitement And a lot of fear. Like, who's going to vacuum every week? It takes a lot to vacuum this place. I don't know if you've noticed, this red carpet is kind of shag-like, and it will absorb everything. So if you spill your coffee, just know that's your spot going forward, okay? (laughs) But we're in this season as a church with lots of joy and lots of fear. And now what? And I don't know if you've ever spent much time in a church that has a building, When we have to set up and tear down every week, one of the great things about setting up and tearing down every week is there's never a need to fight over the color of the carpet. But one of the downsides of setting up and tearing down every week is we're setting up and tearing down every week. We we don't have the freedom to invest in getting to know one another and loving one another quite the way we want to because we have all these things that we need to do. But now in this space, we can do those things. We can love each other a little bit better. We can grow in God's word a little bit more. We can go from here into the community in new and better ways than we've ever done before. But it also comes with a lot of unknowns. Like not only who's going to vacuum the floors, but who's going to put signs out and and who's going to dust. If you were here this week, there was like a layer of dust all the way to the ceiling. And somehow you guys managed to clean it out. But I'm sure it'll come back. 
And so this new space comes with great opportunity and also great challenges. And with these great challenges also comes room for fighting. See, like, if we ever do need to replace this carpet, who wants to stick with red carpet? Maybe if you're the one who has to clean it, you'd like to switch to some easier-to-clean flooring. Or maybe it's not a fight about the color of the carpet. Maybe in this church, because we have a space where we can actually get to know each other, we realize we don't really like each other. (laughs) And then what? It is okay to not like people, by the way. Just don't be a jerk to them, okay? And you can not like other people in the church and still love them because Jesus does. But maybe as we begin to pour into this place in this community and go from here into our neighborhood, we're going to realize it's really hard to be the church more than just Sunday morning. And maybe we're going to find there's reasons to fight amongst each other. You don't think like I do. You don't want to do the things I want to do. You have a different perspective than I do. And maybe now that there's no longer the need to set up and tear down, there'll be no more grace for me. Because you'll be like, oh, it was a tech error. That's not your fault, Adam. But now when my sermon stinks, it's just me, right? And there's all these rooms for challenges and division and fighting to grow. Maybe you've been a part of a church that's been filled with fighting and division. I certainly have. And it really stinks. It's really hard to focus on Jesus and loving your neighbor when you really can't stand the person sitting next to you in the pew or the chair or wherever you are. It's really hard to love your neighbor when you think the person sitting on the other side of the room from you is entirely wrong in their fundamental approach to life or faith or living their faith out in the community. What do we do when division begins to grow? Well, what do we do when you and I realize our sinfulness continues even in this space? And we can't just dismiss it and say it wasn't there or it's never there. We have to admit it. Thankfully, while 2020 has been filled with all kinds of things I never expected, though I'm really thankful actually for murder hornets. Like, let's be real. That was really kind of them to show up and be like, hey, we're here. Oh, you know what? You got a lot going on. We'll come back later. It's very nice of them. But 2020 was filled with all kinds of things I didn't expect and I wasn't ready for, but thankfully division in the church is not one of them. And on top of that, thankfully division in the church isn't something new that the world has never seen before. And the answer to fighting amongst ourselves is also something the world's seen before. It's found in scripture. And so I'm going to share with you today from 1 Corinthians In 1 Corinthians, they're having a fight that we in this place would certainly never have. I'm sure of it. Here's the fight they're having. In 1 Corinthians, they're torn because there are some who really value quality speakers. They really value those who know how to speak eloquently, those who know how to speak in such a way that you just want to listen. We would certainly never fight about that in this place. They, they really want those who sound fancy, who sound like they know what they're talking about. They want those who seem to have it all together. And if you're like, well, that sounds really silly. How many mega pastors do we have in this country? Kind of these personalities that you could never listen to their sermon and know everything they're about. These personalities that you've heard on the radio or you've heard on TV or you've seen people talk about or you've read books by them and they seem to have it all together. You're like, gosh, everything they say, I just, I love to eat that up. 
You ever heard of those guys? Well, sometimes the things they say, they might sound really nice, but they're not actually that good. Paul, he's writing to the church that he loved so dearly, and he begins with this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there is no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Paul, he writes to them, and he goes on in a little bit. He explains the fight he sees. Some say, I follow Apollos, who was actually a friend of Paul, and Paul knew this guy. Some say, I follow Cephas, another name for Peter. Others say, no, 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 I follow Paul, and still more, those who are most holy, those who have it all figured out, say, I don't follow any of these guys. I, I follow Christ. I'm just so much better than you guys because I just looked at Jesus. I don't need anybody else in my life. 2,000 years later, we still have similar voices today. I really like this pastor, but that guy I can't stand. Or we say things like, well, I just don't need the church because I have Jesus, right? It's just the same as I follow Christ. Why would I follow someone else? See, there's a truth in Scripture that you and I cannot do what God has called us to do if we try to do it alone. And this is the number one reason why Satan wants to come against us, is to steal and divide the very thing God is doing. He wants to bring unity this world has never seen in us. But Satan wants to find all the little things, all the dumb things to tear us apart. The things that don't really matter. And Paul, he goes on, he says, look, it doesn't matter who you follow. It doesn't matter who you think is a better speaker. No, there's one thing and one thing only that really matters. And he says in verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. See, as we gather together today, and next Sunday, and the following Sunday, and all the days in between, whenever we gather together, there is a temptation to look towards man and the things man can do. And maybe it's not the pastor, maybe it's not me, maybe it's not future pastors, it's not the eloquent speech that comes with the the sermon, maybe it's something else that we look to. Like, I just want the church with the really cool kids ministry, which by the way, we get to have here because we have space and we're not in a theater kind of excited for that. Or, you know, I just want the church that always goes to the bars, which we're going to keep doing probably. Or, or, or maybe it's, I really want the church that just serves in the community all the time and they don't spend any of their money on themselves. They're just giving it all away, which we certainly hope to do in the future. All right. There's all these things that we do that are really good that we can make the greatest goal that we can make the greatest aim. We're like, if only the church looks like what I want it to look like. But Paul, he says, it's it's a good thing that I came to preach the gospel and only the gospel. Because by coming to just preach that, none of these ways of human pursuit, none of these things that we place our hope in, none of them matter. And if we take our focus off of just the gospel, we empty the cross of its power. And then he goes on, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Anybody use folly on a regular basis in your daily conversations? I thought I knew what it meant, but I thought just to be safe, I'll look it up, which is always a good plan. If you're ever in question, look something up, all right? Uh, It's a good idea. I looked up folly, 
And one of the definitions of folly is absurdity. Think about that. For the word of the cross is absurdity to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, being Christian has nothing to do with how cool your church is. And being Christian has nothing to do with how great your pastor is. It also has nothing to do with anything about what we do or where we go or how we love. Being Christian actually only comes down to the word of the cross. But what does that mean? See, we live in a culture where the cross has been sanitized, and some of you probably wear it around your necks or keep it in your pocket. We live in a culture where 2,000 years removed, we see the cross as this beautiful thing that we look to for hope. But the cross was an instrument of death, a means of execution, a way of killing the most terrible condemned sinners. The word of the cross is certainly absurd. See, how in the world is it that 2,000 years later we'd be gathered in this space wearing masks or not wearing masks, drinking coffee or not drinking coffee? How in the world would we be gathered 2,000 years later to celebrate the death penalty? Have you thought about that? The cross doesn't make sense. If I were God, I certainly would not come in the form of the cross, which is a good thing I'm not God. Because for God to come in the form of the cross is to come and be shamed. Anybody in here have things you're ashamed of? In your past, you're like, I wish I could take that back. When you have those moments in time where people point out your flaws and your sin, the weight of that humbling experience, it hurts. The word of the cross is this reality that our God would step into all brokenness and all shame and all sin and all miserable experiences you and I could imagine. And out of that weakness and that brokenness, he'd bring life. And if you've been in the church for any time more than like right now, if this isn't your first moment ever hearing this word, maybe you're like, of course, that's the way God would do it. Why? Why would this God who we professed to be greater than anything, maker of everything, why would he give everything up? Doesn't make much sense to me. And this gospel that Paul preached, gospel literally means good news. This good news that he preached was that this cross, this emptying of himself, this death of God, this instrument of destruction, this is our hope today and tomorrow and every day. No matter the storm we walk through, the pain we're experiencing, the mess we're looking at, no matter the division in the church and the things we fight about, our hope only rests in the God who would empty himself of everything for you and me. He goes on, Paul continues, and he says this, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that human beings might boast or so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, our God's ways aren't ways in which he cares a rip about the building we meet in. 
And God doesn't give a rip about who I am as a pastor and whether or not you like me. God doesn't care about if we're the church in the community that's doing the things you think the church should be doing. God cares about one thing and one thing only. That's his son giving everything for you and for me. His son being emptied, this low and despised status, so that there's hope. Look, he brought everything to nothing so that we have no reason to boast. Whether it's in this space or as we go from this space, there is a concern in the church that we can look to the things we do, to the way we talk, to the stuff we hold dear, and we can begin to boast in ourselves. Look at how great we are, how big we are, how much our offering is. Look at all the things we're doing that seem so great. But if we're boasting in anything other than Jesus, we've missed it all. That promotion you wanted and you finally got, if that promotion doesn't in some way point you to Jesus, it might not be worth it. That recognition you got for the hard work that you did, if it doesn't point you to Jesus, it's not really that important. You see, we should have nothing that we boast in, not the size of our building, not the number of people that show up, not anything we do in the community. Nothing matters except Jesus. So Paul, he goes on, he continues. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. He says, I didn't come to tell you how much I know or what seems so right or what sounds so good. No, I came simply for one purpose. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you were here three years ago when I stood on a stage for the first time in front of you to share with you God's word, maybe this sounds familiar. Three years ago, I stood in a brand new space in front of brand new people and I said to you, I've decided to do nothing but share Christ and Christ crucified. And you know what? Three years later, that still stands. And three years from now, it still will stand because I don't care how cool this space is. And let's be honest, it's pretty neat. All right. If you haven't yet had a chance to tour it, Emily will take you around later and show you this space. It's a pretty exciting place to be. I don't care how cool this space is or how many people join us. No, the only thing that matters is Christ crucified. And, and oftentimes in our Western world, 2,000 years removed, we want to like move past that. No, Christ crucified and resurrected because we know Easter's coming. But let's just for a moment stop there on Christ crucified. Paul says, look, the only thing I've decided to know is Christ crucified. Why? Because when we walk through pain and hardship and suffering, when the world throws us curveballs we can't handle, when things come against us we didn't expect, it's only in Christ crucified we find what to do next. The God who would empty himself and suffer and die a death he didn't deserve as a criminal 
who would bear the weight of all that shame and humiliation, all the taunting and the mocking, the God who would shed his blood. And when he shed his blood, he would give everything for us. See, it's there when we look to the cross, the Christ crucified, there we see a God who knows what it's like to experience pain. And there we see a God who knows what it's like to be shunned and not welcomed and not loved and not desired. And even more, we see a God there on the cross who's not desirable. And then when we gather together, whether it's on Sundays or Mondays or whether it's online, however we gather, we only gather because Christ is still the crucified one, the one emptied of himself for you and me. And so we get to walk through all the hardships of 2020 and all the crazy of 2021. Who knows what that'll be? And we get to walk through whatever comes next and any fear that we are experiencing. We get to take there to Christ crucified, the God who gave everything to be emptied for us. And it's there that our fear and our trembling and our weakness and our pain and there that our suffering and all that we might be going through finds any strength to stand. See, he continues, he says this, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. The truth of the matter is for you and I, there's certainly a lot to be afraid of. There's definitely a lot that will change at the point that we might not want to change. As I walked through this space over the last couple of weeks, some of you expressed this fear. Well, this space feels like a church. Will we start being judgmental like some churches? No. This space feels like it's going to be expensive. Will we stop going into the community? No. There's a lot of fear that comes with change. And what do we do with that fear? See, I don't know how uh, this year will continue. I don't know how this church will continue. I don't know what's coming next. But I do know what Paul knows. Christ and him crucified. And, and I know that because of that, you and I can stand here or sit here or walk here or whatever you're doing today or tomorrow with a sense of peace. And all of our fears, we get to take before him and say, I need you to be the one emptied of yourself. But then there's this flip side. To say we know Christ crucified is also to say that we become Christ crucified. Now, let, let me clarify. You won't ever save anyone in any way, ever. You won't be the savior of the world in any capacity, and you cannot take away your sins or someone else's. But you and I are called Christian, which means little Christ, little saviors, little messiahs. And as we remember Christ crucified and we cling to this God who emptied himself, and we look not to the quality of the building or the pastor or the programs or the budgets or not to these things that we can get distracted by. We just look to him. He then invites us to empty ourselves, to lay all of our fear and our pain before him and to take up our cross and to join him in loving and serving and caring for those who are afraid. So I want to finish with this. I don't know what 2020 will hold. I don't know what the point's future will look like. I don't know if we're going to meet for two or three weeks and then we're going to have to stop meeting because 
COVID seems to be on the rise here in Knoxville. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know the same thing I knew three years ago, and I hope you do too. I know Christ crucified. Because he emptied himself and gave everything for you and for me, we'll be okay. And whatever happens next, we'll still have Christ crucified. And as such, we can give all of ourselves to look past the division and past the fighting and past the things we don't like, to empty ourselves and say, this isn't what I wanted, but God, may I be crucified. May I give up myself that you might live, that here in this place and through us as a people, whether we are out west in Farragut or, or down south or wherever we go from here, we would go with Christ crucified, this hope that God would give everything, that you and I can have everything. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you. You have given your son that we might live. And God, we are tempted like the church in Corinth to create division and hatred and frustration, to seek the ways of men, to seek the things we understand and celebrate those things. But God, your ways are not our ways. Your wisdom is not our wisdom. God, we pray that you would in this place remind us today and tomorrow and every day that there's only one thing that matters, that is Christ crucified, that you have emptied yourself, given your life for us. May we in turn as little Christs give our lives for one another and lay down those things that we held dear, those things that we thought were important. May we set aside those ambitions and desires that could drive a wedge. And may we all agree on one thing, this good news, that you are the one who's crucified. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue, we're going to collect an offering. And uh, we're not going to pass the popcorn buckets like we usually do. And yes, we still have popcorn buckets. That's not changing anytime soon. Uh, you could take us out of the theater, but not the theater out of us. Um, we're not going to pass those for offering just for the sake of sanitation, but they are in the back. So when you leave later today, if you came prepared with cash or check and you'd like to partner with us and what God is doing in and through the point, you can give by putting it in those buckets. If you came prepared to give today to say, thank you, God, for what you're doing. I want to join you in this endeavor and you'd like to do so electronically, you can do so at thepointknox.com. Uh, click on the little blue button there in the corner, and that blue button will let you give electronically, completely safe, um, however much or however often you'd like to. However you choose to give today, whatever you give, remember this. God doesn't love you more because you give. He doesn't love you less if you don't. He simply loves you because Christ is crucified. As we now collect this offering, well, we're not, you know, passing buckets, so we're not physically collecting it. So what do I say here? As we continue in our worship, will you, will you join us in singing this song and uh, thinking about the good news and the hope that we have in Jesus? Well, every week we take time for questions because we think questions are a really healthy part of faith. So there's a couple questions that came in today. With all that is going on, can we do a full series on the book of Revelation? Uh... Gosh, that'd be awesome. Maybe. Uh, we are meeting this week to plan out some future sermons, so let's, uh, let's throw that one in the hat. 
The book of Revelation is this awesome book that's kind of a summary of the whole Bible and the whole story of what God is doing. And some people read it to be like a chronological, literal things to come. We read it more as a a summary that uh, repeats itself a few times. But we'll save that for a sermon series. The answer is yes, we could consider that, and I would love that. Um, What's the difference between a christening and a baptism? If you were christened, do you need to be baptized as well? Um, To be totally honest, I don't know. I don't have a clue what christening is. I know it's a term that's used. I think it's been used interchangeably with baptism, and it might not be. So I'll save that for a point leftovers, so I'm not just making something up. How's that sound? Awesome. Emily's like, don't you normally make stuff up? (laughs) Uh, Just curious, what happened to the church that was worshiping in the space? They're still worshiping, and uh, they're still worshiping in this building, but they have decided that they are going to long-term, going forward, move to house churches, and they were planning on doing this pre-COVID, and it just helped them do so. And so a couple hours a week, they're going to use the fellowship hall space that's over there, and they're going to meet for prayer and some food. But the rest of the week, they're going to be the church in houses and small groups and small communities. And so they wanted to continue to use that space and be church differently. And I said, that sounds awesome. Let's work together. So that church is still around, still here, and still doing some cool things. And also, we get to use this space too, which is a pretty great bonus. Uh, If you have any other questions, feel free to text them in this week, and I will try to address them or respond um, next Sunday or via the point leftovers if I catch them in time. Uh, With that, Emily's going to do some tours when we're all done, so if you'd like to see the building and hear some of the ideas of things we want to do in the space in the future, stick around and uh, talk to people. One of the cool things about not setting up and tearing down is you don't have to leave right away, all right? The movie theater is not kicking us out of the space, so yeah, that's worth celebrating. And... uh, Before you do that, I got this piece of tape that's stuck to my hand now awkwardly. I don't know how that got there. But before you do that, receive this blessing before you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8 located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.